Uh, my name is Michael Fulmer. We've been going to church here uh, since early 2018. Uh, some of the people that helped me in my faith journey first would be my wife. Um, when I met my wife, she, she kind of got me back on track and back in the church. And then once we got into the church, um, we took the meeting to go to First Steps, and I met Jonathan Grundon there. Um, and then it just kind of took off to, from a small group. Uh, we had Tori Bush was in there, and then the Simmons, and a couple other families that we met, and then the men's mentor group. Um, the guys that I met there, and it's, we're still really close with those guys, and those are the people that have shaped it. You see your faith grow um, just being in these groups, um, primarily, you know, uh, my wife, super faithful, and, and you see her pray, and, and you see the things, and, and she, you see her day to day, knowing that God has her back, and her mannerisms, and how, how she goes through things, and you're just like, man, um, I don't know how she does it sometimes, but uh, you, you just kind of try to take that same approach and, you know, like God has it. And, and, you know, even with my wife and through the small group and into the men's mentor group, um, it really didn't take a hold until then. You realize, hey, um, watching these guys around me and, and being able to do the things they do and ha have a little bit more faith because you can see what God is doing in their life. And you're like, man, I want that for myself. And so you just kind of let God take over at that point. And so that's how I kind of seen it grow. Well, good morning. How you doing? So glad you are here with us, First Decatur. Uh, if we don't know each other, my name is Adam, and uh, earlier this year I came on staff as our new discipleship uh, pastor, and in the months since then, my wife and I, Annie, and our little over one-year-old daughter, uh, Virginia, we call her Jenny, have uh, moved to Decatur and got all settled in, and uh, I mean, come on, look how adorable that is and you can't really fully tell there but um, we're also Lord willing expecting a son due in October so that's pretty exciting for us uh, and our family and some of you I can tell right now you're feeling it you can't understand how she's so adorable but also looks just like me and you're really <laughs> you don't know what to do with that information you're kind of wrestling with that right now and I'll just let you sit on it and just figure it all out how that works uh, but if we haven't had a chance to meet uh, something you need to know about me and uh, this might be a deal breaker, I'm just being honest, this might be a deal breaker for some of our friendships. Uh, and uh, after you learn this about me, you may not want to be my friend. And uh, that's okay, because depending on how you respond, I might not want to be your friend either. Uh, and, uh, but people that know me, my friends know that I am a huge fan, not just a little fan, but I'm a huge fan of Hallmark Christmas movies. So, there it is, see? We now know the real Christians in the room. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to accept the fact that it was mostly women cheering and just acknowledge that I own it and it's no shame whatsoever. And I'm not just like a little fan, like I'm all in, okay? Like once Thanksgiving is over in the Hammerlink house, it is countdown to Christmas, okay? And I'm just going to be honest too, it's usually me watching them by myself because Annie doesn't like them as much as I do and uh, we're working through it and we're making it out okay. Uh, and like, I got it all, like I'm not kidding, I got the socks I have a t-shirt, I have a hoodie, I'm not making this up, I have a hoodie that says this is my Hallmark Christmas movie watching hoodie. Uh, it's a real thing and I wear it and that's okay. And uh, like I have my top favorite Hallmark movie actors and actresses, I have my favorite movies, my favorite by which is uh, Nine Lives of Christmas, if you're curious and wanna watch that one. Uh, I'm not really much of a cat guy, but who doesn't love a movie about a handsome firefighter that finds a cat and love at Christmas? It's, 
Everyone loves that story, okay? And I love that story. I lost some of you on that one, I can tell. Yeah, I felt it. Some of the guys in the room were like, who is this dude? Like, what is happening? So I like football too, okay? Like, go Cowboys, all right? Uh, but uh, no, I, I'm a big fan. One of my favorite things about Hallmark Christmas movies, and if you've seen them, you know, this happens in a lot of them, okay? And uh, there's always like this random or mysterious character that shows up, and sometimes it's like an old friend, or it's like a diner owner, or like a cookie shop owner, or it's like sometimes, in some of them, it's this like jolly old man with a white beard that may or may not be Santa Claus, and uh, they show up and they kind of like give direction to the main character, right? Like they give like this life advice or relationship tips that like change the course of the story. And, and, I, and I love this, and you, you may be thinking to yourself like, dude, what does this have to do with why we're here right now? And that's okay, uh, I would understand that. And trust me, I have heard all the critiques, all you Hallmark haters, I've heard you loud and clear most of my life. You're like, they're so just predictable, like we know what's gonna happen from the beginning, they're all the same, I've heard it, I get it, you're wrong, but I've heard it. Uh, but, but to be honest though, like your critique, it's, it's part of why I like them. You know, like there's, there's something about them to me that's like relatable or like comfortable in that way. You know, it's like, not like the fairy tale part, but just like there's something familiar about them. And, and if I lost you with Hallmark, hopefully I can bring you back with this. Uh, you know, the, at, over the last 10 plus years, I've had a chance to hear dozens and dozens of people's stories about their faith and how God has worked in their life and moved in their life. And, and I've noticed over time that there's like a similar familiarity in their stories. Like, like everyone's faith story is unique, it's dynamic, it has high points and low points, but, but as you start to hear stories time and time again, you start to notice that there's some, like these themes or these, these stories that have similar factors or similar lines throughout them. You know, I, I've never heard anyone talk about their faith and say that the Santa figure showed up. I've never heard that, but I have heard many times people say things like, you know, my life wouldn't be the same if that person didn't show up. Or, you know, I had no idea that God would use that relationship to change my life the way he did. Or, or they'd say things like, I had this neighbor that was super friendly to me and invited me to church, and honestly, my life has never been the same since then. And in, in the church, we, we have like a churchy Christian kind of word for these kind of encounters, and it's providential relationships. Providential meaning like God aligned. People often say, I feel like God brought this person into my life. And as you start to hear people's stories, one of the things you notice time and time again is that God uses other people. God uses people to fuel our faith. I'd like to share a story with you if I could. Uh, but before I say that, what, what I'm really trying to say is that if you ever catch me in my office watching a Hallmark movie, just know I'm doing pastoral research. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to learn about people. And, uh, and we're wrapping up a series right now uh, called The Five Factors That Fill Our Faith. And we've been looking at these things. We didn't make this list up. It's not like we just made up these things. Actually, rather, when you start to listen to people's stories over and over again, you start to notice there's like these factors, these categories, these kind of like catalysts of growth that show up in their story. We talked about how when people talk about their faith and what God has done in their life, they often say like practical teaching, biblically-based, relevant teaching to their life changed their life and grew their faith. They talk about how personal ministry, when they engaged and served and 
took on God's mission for themselves. Like it, it grew their faith. And they talk about when they started to pray and worship and gather together with other Christians, these private disciplines in their life, it, it grew their faith in a way they didn't realize. And when they look back on pivotal circumstances, some that were hard or some that were joyful or little or small, when they look back on them, they're like, man, I didn't realize how much God was using that and used that to kind of change the course of my life. And then today we're looking at these providential relationships. I know that some of us in here no, you're, you're a follower of Jesus, you're all in. You're in with who Jesus is and what he has for you and you're try, you wanna grow your faith. Like you have people in your life that you look to and you're like, man, I want a faith like theirs. Like they just have this bold and confident faith. It seems like whatever they're going on in their life, whatever life throws at them, they just have this solid trust in Jesus. I wanna, I wanna be able to emulate that myself. I wanna look more like that. And you're trying to figure out what is that that makes them that way. And others of you, you're, you're just still trying to figure it out. You're not really sure, a little hesitant about the whole Jesus thing, and uh, you're trying to make sense of the world and your experience in it, and you're curious about this God of the Bible. And our hope is that as we kind of look at these factors, we're, we're really looking at the reality that people who have these confident, bold faiths, there's these things that show up, and it makes us ask the question for ourselves, you know, in my life, what are the things that I'm doing to fuel up my faith? Or even specifically to today, you know, it's do I have relationships in my life that are pointing me towards Jesus? Do I have relationships in my life that are fueling my faith like others who have confident faith have in their life? That story I wanna share with you is found in Acts chapter 18, and if you have your Bible with you, you can turn there, flip there, we're gonna get there in just a second. And Acts is found in the New Testament. Uh, it actually comes right after the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, they're the four books that tell about the life of Jesus and his ministry, and his death, and then his resurrection, and the Gospels end with Jesus' ascension back into heaven. And right after the Gospels comes the book of Acts. And really the longer name, some of you might not know this, the longer name for the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, the Apostles were those first followers, those first disciples of Jesus. And Acts tells the story then of them doing what Jesus has called them to do, to go and make disciples, and they're spreading the message of Jesus, and the church is growing like wildfire. And in the book of Acts, we meet this man named Paul. He's a Jewish man. And like other Jews at the time, he, he did not believe that Jesus was who Jesus said he was. He didn't believe it so strongly that he actually committed himself to trying to arrest and kill Christians. But then Paul had this encounter one day where uh, he experienced Jesus in a way that changed his life and he ended up becoming an evangelist and a leader and a missionary in the name of Jesus. And then he went on these missionary journeys where he spread the message of Jesus and was planting churches. And it's on these journeys that Acts chapter 18 picks up Paul's story. I wanna read a few verses with you. It says this, it says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila and a native of Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his, life, with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So we learn real quick that Paul, he's a Roman Jew, and he's also a tent maker. He's this craftsman, this day-laboring artist that works with leather and makes these goods, and he, he's in this place called Corinth, and he's using his skill, his craft, his trade to earn some money while he's there in Corinth to plant churches and do what he felt called by God to do. And he meets this married couple, and like Paul, they're Jews, and they're also from Rome. 
and we know that Claudius, who's like the emperor, the Caesar, uh, they said, he said Jews were not allowed to live in Rome anymore. They kick all the Jews out of there, and now they're living in this city called Corinth. And not only are they like Paul in being Roman and Jew, but they're also tent makers. They have the same trade, the same craft as Paul. I, I find this interesting, you might too, that at this time it was very common for the people who had the same trade, the same, the same skills, they would work together and often live together as well. You know, they, they would have like these shops, these marketplaces, and sometimes they'd even have like a, a apartment or something above their shop where they would then live together. And it was even more common that if they were Jews, they would be together because those who had the same trade but weren't Jews wouldn't want to live with and associate with the Jews. So we find these people that are similar in these ways and their paths are beginning to cross. And then if you look a few verses later in uh, chapter 18, so Acts 18, verse 18, it says that Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time, and then he left the brothers and sisters, he leaves the Christians, and he sails for Syria, and accompanying him are Priscilla and Aquila. So Paul's planting churches, spreading the message of Jesus for a couple years, and then he leaves to continue on his missionary journey, and who goes with him? This couple that he met, Priscilla and Aquila. I got, here's Adam's like quick recap translation. Life has thrown a curveball at this couple. It's not going the way they expected it to go. Things look a little different than they were hoping. Their life, their career path, they're pretty uncertain at this point in time. They're evicted from their home, living in a city that they probably don't know anyone. They're just trying to pay their bills and put one foot in front of the other and figure out what's next. And then there's this other guy, unrelated to them, who he's doing what God has called him to do. He's going where he feels like God is calling him to go. There's some uncertainty in that and following Jesus in that way. And he is, as he's planning these churches, he has to make some money. He's gotta put food on the table. And it's at this point that these paths are crossing, that this providential relationship, this God-aligned relationship is starting to unfold. And we don't know much else about Priscilla and Aquila. You might have heard them. I don't know if you've heard about them or not. Uh, we see them pop up a couple other times in the New Testament. Uh, the most notable place they pop up is in the book of Romans. Uh, Romans is like this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Because again, he was Roman himself, and he was anxious to go encourage the Christians gathering in Rome. But he couldn't get there. Paul's life was a little crazy. He gets arrested and his plans change. So instead he sends this letter to serve as his encouragement and his message to them. And at the end of this letter, at the end of the book in Romans, there's this list that Paul gives us of these people that he is thankful for and feels indebted to. And look who shows up on that list. Romans 16, verse three. He says, he's talking to Christians. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the church of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. So we see here, and we know because of history, that uh, there's a new emperor, there's a new Caesar in Rome, and allows Jews to come back. So some time has passed, and now Priscilla and Aquila are back in their home in Rome. And what does it say there in verse five? It says, right, that there's a church now again gathering in their house. This is kind of a side note, but this is honestly, this is my favorite part of Priscilla and Aquila's story, so I hope you don't miss this part. Something I love about them is that it seems like at this time, wherever the mission of God is and is going, Priscilla and Aquila show up and they're willing to go. And wherever life takes them, they use their life in their home as a place for mission and ministry to happen when they were in Rome originally, and then when they end up in the city called Corinth, and then when they go back to Rome, they use their house, the place that they live, for God's ministry and God's mission to happen. And the reason I think that is so cool is because I know that there are many of you 
that you use your home for small groups to gather. You invite people over to your home. You invite neighbors or friends or coworkers or followers of Jesus into your home who you just want to encourage and be hospitable and show the love of Jesus to. And some of you are part of the ministry we have in the block called Community Table, and it happens every week at one of our pastor BJ and Mary Leonard's house. Where Christians and new Christians and people curious about faith come together weekly to learn about who Jesus is and who he says we are and what that means for us. And I think that's so cool because so much has changed in 2,000 years. So much is different. And although so much has changed, God continues to work in the same ways. He continues to use people and where they are in their homes for ministry and mission to happen. And 2,000 years later, we are connected to Priscilla and Aquila in that way. And Paul doesn't just see them as friends. He sees them as coworkers. He even says that they risked their life for him at some point, probably on one of their missionary journeys together. And then he says this pretty crazy phrase. He gives them some pretty significant praise as well. And he says, I and all, in case you didn't know in the Bible, all usually means all, all of the Gentile churches are thankful for them. All of these churches, these new churches, these new Christians that we've planted, they're thankful for Priscilla and Aquila. I think Romans 16 is like this really cool glimpse into Paul's story that, to be honest, we can so easily miss if we're just looking at the teachings of Paul. See, in Paul, we can actually find these five factors. See, for Paul, we, we know that practical teaching was an important part of his life. He was a really well-educated man, and then when he gave his life to Jesus, he was a practical teacher. The, a huge chunk of our New Testament, we can see his teachings in his letters. And the second half of Acts, and a big chunk of our New Testament, is Paul's personal ministry, his mission trips, and his churching, church planting. And as he's going on these journeys, we see him praying and worshiping and fasting and giving vows to the Lord. We see these private disciplines showing up over and over again, even when he's arrested and in prison. And we see multiple pivotal circumstances in his life. We see the times he gets arrested, he gets shipwrecked. We see this time when he's on that road and has that encounter with Jesus that changes everything for him and changes the trajectory of his life. And we see those things when we read the New Testament pretty often, but it's almost like Paul stops us here and he says, there was this one time in Corinth. I met this pretty cool couple. We had a lot in common with our backgrounds and our careers and we kind of hit it off. And my life and my ministry were never the same. It's as though Paul says to us that, humanly speaking, humanly speaking, there might not be a church in Rome. There might not be a church in Corinth if it weren't for Priscilla and Aquila. You know, I, uh, about 10 years ago, I met this guy named Seth, and uh, I was at this church camp, this summer camp, and uh, I was pretty new to faith, I was volunteering there, and uh, I'd been around church a little bit prior to this, but uh, to be honest, I was pretty skeptical. Kind of had like a negative view of the church at this point in my life. I just wasn't really sure about it. Um, and I remember I was volunteering this week and I met Seth and he was a new pastor of the area, a few years older than me. And uh, he, he kind of asked me this week if I would help him get this youth outreach thing started around the church. And at first I was like, dude, you don't know me, man. Like if you knew how I spent most of my time, bro, you would not want me to do this with you. And uh, Throughout the week though, we kind of talked more and I was like, you know, I think, I think I can help you do this. 
And uh, here, here's Seth and Chelsea just a couple years ago. And uh, I'm not a short dude, but this guy makes me feel small. He's like the only person in my life that makes me feel tiny. Um, but uh, in the months following meeting Seth at that camp, you know, we spent a lot of time together. I got to know him and his wife Chelsea super well. I spent a lot of time in their home. And uh, we watched movies and not Hallmark because they're not the real ones. And we watched YouTube and played video games and shared lots of meals together. And my goodness, uh, they make these biscuits and gravy. And like, if you know me, like biscuits and gravy is one of my many love languages. And like, these things were like cloud-like biscuits and I don't know what they did in this gravy. It was like sugar, I'm not sure what it was, but uh, I need breakfast so I should stop. But uh, we just had so many great conversations together uh, over meals and had lots of cool experiences together. I went on some road trips with Seth and I remember shortly after, a couple years I guess, after getting to know them, uh, I found myself in this really difficult season of life just a painful season of life because some decisions I had made. Uh, and it was one of those seasons where like, I was just lost. I was like, I didn't, I didn't really know. Like, I didn't have an appetite. Like, I, I was younger too, and I was like, is my life over at this point? And I remember Seth and Chelsea were some of those people that like, they just remained in my corner. They continued being friends. They, they called me out on things I needed called out on, but they just kept being great friends to me. And some time after that, I met Annie, and Seth ended up officiating Annie and I's wedding. And, to this day, they continue to be some of my closest friends and my biggest encouragers. And I guess I think of Seth and Chelsea because I feel like in, in some kind of way, I can understand how Paul felt so thankful and so indebted to Priscilla and Aquila. Because I would say that I don't think I would be who I am or where I am if it were not for Seth and Chelsea. Like God used them in my life in a way that fueled my faith, that changed the course in the trajectory of my life. And I'll be thankful for a very long time for them in that way. I could also tell you stories about Mike and Drew and Tim and Shane and Ryan and John and all these people that God used in my life to fuel my faith. And I've learned over time that there's lots of ways that these providential relationships show up. Some of them show up as kind of like for a season you know, for a season, we need someone to show up in our life that serves as an encourager. They speak life to us, and they encourage us, and they, they say these I see and you kind of things with us. They're like, man, you, you're just a great friend, or you, you, I see so much leadership in you, and they speak this life to us that we need in that season. Or, or they call us out on some things that we need called out on, and they challenge us in ways that we need challenged. Or Sometimes for certain seasons, we just need a friend. And uh, something that's been pretty crazy to me is that... Uh, in the last few years, there's been these studies done on uh, what's going on in our world and the lives people are experiencing in our world. And in these studies, depending on which one you look at, it's kind of crazy, 40 to 60% of people in the US say they feel seriously lonely on a regular basis. Think about that, every three people you interact with, one or two of them say on any given day they feel seriously lonely. And sometimes God brings people in our life that can encourage us, be that friend, be that person we need. And sometimes they're more long-term, like Michael shared in that video we watched right before I came out. You know, for him, it ended up becoming a spouse and his spouse and these small groups of people, these lifelong friends that come out of that. And you may be asking yourself, how, how do I know what makes a relationship providential? There's a couple things that you'll notice that make these relationships providential. First of all, you'll notice that you hear God through them. That in these relationships, they say things to you, and sometimes if you're really honest, you're like, can you hear my thoughts? Like, what you just said, I needed to hear more than you even realize. 
Like I've actually been wrestling with something. What you just said, like I feel like God himself just used your words to speak straight to me. And they have those I see you conversations and they're like, hey, you know what? I, I, I see so much kindness and goodness and compassion. You're gonna make a huge difference one day. And they just speak into you and it sits somewhere down deep. And for years, you look back on that one conversation you had with this person and they just spoke that life into you or that possibility into you and you feel like you hear God in them as they speak. Another way you know these relationships are providential is that you see God in that person. Like when you look at them and you look at the way they live and the way that they love people and the way that they serve people, you're, you find yourself thinking like, man, I just, I feel like they look like Jesus. They act and talk and they smell like how I think Jesus would. That threw some of you off, I could tell. <laughs> You're like, how does Jesus smell? Probably not good, okay, probably not good. And these relationships show up over and over again. Something you've heard us say quite a bit around here is that our mission, the reason we gather, the reason our church is here is to develop devoted followers of Jesus by growing and serving together. And this might be a surprise. Uh, this, relationship, this, this phrase didn't just come out of thin air. It wasn't just made up. Again, I can't speak for you, but I've already said I was pretty skeptical for years about the church. And I would also be like, what are, their, what are their ulterior motives? Like, what's actually going on here? Like, I thought there was some hypocrisy happening. Like, what, is this just lip service? Where did this actually come from? What I've experienced in my life is that that's actually not the case. I've seen that phrases like this or mission statements like this. It's actually because through prayer and wise insight, leaders of our church and other churches have realized, like, this is actually what God has called us to. And not only that, but this is how he's wired us to flourish. And like that, that word together, it's there on purpose. We see time and time again throughout history that it's in relationships alongside of each other that we, we grow and we flourish and we find more and more joy and purpose in life. And we have things around here like small groups which are kicking off in a week and we have mentoring and ladies Bible studies and men's breakfast and mops and young Decatur and we have all these things going on. And again, you might not have ever thought that you're a better Christian than me, but I, I used to think like, does the church just try to fill my schedule? Like is Adam just sitting in an office somewhere like, I think people in Decatur are super bored. Like, I think they just have a ton of free time, especially young families. They just seem to have a ton of free time. How can I fill their calendar? Like, hopefully you didn't think that like I have. And hopefully you know the case. That's not the case, right? Instead, it's this reality that we know that God has called us to so much more. Like, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we, we have been called on mission by God, that he said to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new Christians how to obey everything that Jesus has taught and commanded us how to live and to act. And that you and I, because of the grace of Jesus, because of what he's done for us, we get to be a part of that story. We get to be a part of that mission. Think about it. You and I, in our own homes, in our own relationships, at coffee shops, at lunch, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, you yourself, we get to experience the kingdom of God coming to earth as it is in heaven. We get to see people's lives change. We get to see people have hope found in Jesus. We get to be a part of that. And he's called us to these things as his followers. And we see over and over again that in this way, God continues to use people to fuel our faith. 
And as we looked at the first three factors, the uh, practical teaching, the personal ministry, and the private disciplines, right? We talked about how those three things, we, we kind of control those. We choose those things. Rick said really well last week, pivotal circumstances, you don't choose those. But you do choose how you respond to those circumstances. And similarly, right, you can't manufacture providential relationships. It's kind of what makes them providential, right? God aligned. However, we can create these environments or these spaces for those kind of relationships to develop. I mean, just like me, I was at a church camp thinking I was showing up to be the one to volunteer as young people and young adults experience God and have fun and build friendships. And little did I know that at this camp, I'd have this relationship form that has changed my life significantly for the last decade. But again, over and over, we see that God works in these ways. And I think for some of us, as we're in here and as we've kind of engaged with this series, we recognize that, you know, I need to increase my proximity to other people who are following Jesus. I need to, I need to be more intentional with engaging community of people that are on the same path, headed in the same direction. I, I need to surround myself with the Priscilla and Aquilas, the Seth and Chelsea's of this world. And I hope for some of us too, right, that we start to have eyes open to the people around us. What I think is so cool about how God works is that there are some of us in here, there are many of you in here that maybe you will be that providential person for someone else. That in the places that you're serving or the places that you're gathering or the groups that you're in or the workplace that you're in, the coffee that you invite someone to, that you could be that person that a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, someone looks back and says, you know what? I had no idea that when I met Adam, God would use that relationship to change my life in a pretty crazy way. That you could have those I see and you conversations with someone. Here, here's, I don't know a lot, you'll learn that. But something I do know, uh, no one laughed, which I think I'm hurt by that. Uh, that's all right, I wasn't trying to be that funny, I guess. I don't know a lot, but I do know this. Unfortunately, life is not like a Hallmark movie. Sorry to let you down. Most of you, most of you will never meet the cute single farm boy under a mistletoe at a Christmas festival. It's just, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like burst that bubble for you, but it probably won't happen. Most of you are never gonna have some Santa figure show up and give favor in all your life's relationships. And I also am very aware, I recognize that for almost all of us, not every part of our story is wrapped up into this neat little hallmark happily ever after bow. I know that. But I also know that there's a God who loves you unconditionally. There's a God that wants to know you more deeply and he wants you to know him. There's a God that wants you to experience the fullness and the depth of peace and purpose and joy that is found in him. And I know that he sent his son, Jesus, for you. So that through Jesus, you can experience a life and a love that has no match in our human existence. I know that to be true. And our response to this reality, our response to that truth is to put our full faith, our full trust in him. And as we figure out this Jesus thing, as we walk in this faith journey, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to like trailblaze some new path, but rather we can 
see how God is working and we can trust God to write our story as he has time and time and time again. And our prayer in this series is that we have eyes to see and ears to hear the way God is currently working in our lives and around us. And that these five factors, that they would simply serve as a tool for us to see and to understand those ways that God is working and continues to work in the lives of people of faith. So that when you look at your life or you look back on your life, you can see that God has been faithful over and over again and that you can see these things and figure out what that looks like for you next. And my prayer is that we may have the wisdom and the courage to look at these factors and just intentionally identify ways that you and I can fuel up our faith tank. And that we may, followers of Jesus, that we may look for people and surround ourselves with people and find ourselves gathering in places and in spaces where there are people who God will use to fuel your faith. And ultimately for so many of us, to so many of us in here that have recognized the goodness of God and seen the way he's worked in our lives and trust him with our lives and as we follow him, that we may become the kind of people that God will use to fuel the faith of others. You mind praying with me? God, it is a, God, in this moment right now, we're just gonna, God, we pause and we recognize that uh, there are people in here, Lord, that uh, life is not going the way they thought it would. Curveballs have been more painful than they expected and they're just trying to make sense of what's going on, God, and would you, God, we're asking that you be close to them as you promise you will be that you will be a comforter to them, that you would use us as you will to be your comforter to people. God, I'm praying for those in this room that they recognize your goodness, Lord. They recognize who you are. God, I'm thinking right now about people online and in East Auditorium, that God, right now, they they just want to follow you and to trust you. you. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear how we can do that? God, may we become people that are fully surrendered to you and trust your goodness in our lives despite what's happening. God, by your grace, would you bring people into our lives that can point us towards you? And God, may everything we do, may our worship, may our work, may our times, may our schedules, may they bring glory and honor to you for your kingdom's gain. In your name we pray, amen.